0: <laughs> Greetings, citizens! You're now trapped in a nerd cage with your hosts Mark and Jay! We hope you have a smashing good time! Yeah! <laughs>
1: yes hello and welcome that's right you're trapped in nerd cage live this ain't just a reaction show but a debate show and a live discussion on everything that makes people like you and I tick so thank you for joining us tonight please hit that like button and subscribe I'm your co-host St. G coming to you live from Syracuse New York and always with me
0: my man the fiend from Louisville Mark Withers what shaking boss? Hey, what's going on, man? Super excited uh, to be here as usual. And yes, uh, today's look back is going to focus on the uh, 1995 classic movie Seven directed by David Fincher. Now, Jay, I know that you're very fond of this movie. Uh, yes. You kind of recommended it to me. Personally, I've never uh, watched it before. And I'll sort of get to my uh, yes. my opinion of it a little bit later, but first, uh, first of all, I wanted to see uh, you know exactly what you thought about it upon a rewatch. You know, what do you, what do you think? Do you think it still holds up? Is it as great as you remember? How do you feel about it? I think it
1: still holds up. Um, I haven't watched it in over a decade, and it felt good to watch it again. I ended up uh, ordering a, a Blu-ray copy uh, on eBay for ten bucks and. Uh, and it was nice. This, this Blu-ray copy, everything was crystal clear. Everything looked good. Um, but, yeah, I really liked the chemistry between uh, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. Uh, right. the, the whole I know this dynamic's been done so many times where you got the, the retired cop and the younger, like, smart ale cop. I know it's been done so many times, but seeing David Fincher's stylized approach with a very twisted and heinous story attached to it, I know it's a slow burn. But when it all comes together at the end and how in that climax, this movie still holds up uh, one of David Fincher's trademark movies. And I had an absolute field day of rewatching it. And it's. I think everyone should rewatch it to celebrate this 25th anniversary.
0: Okay, fair point, fair point. And, you know, I agree with most of what you're saying. Now, as somebody who uh, really has never watched it before, I know it was a popular movie back in the 90s, won all kinds of accolades. For, for whatever reason, I missed out on that boat. So as a first-time viewer, I kind of am of two minds of, of, about this movie. So first off, I kind of, my first impression of it is that it's a little bit un, on the uneven side right? So I feel like, you know, that first 30 to 40 minutes, there really yes. isn't a whole lot going on. I mean, I, I get that they're trying to build something. They're trying to establish the characters and kind of let you exactly. know. But, but the, the way that that's done, the pacing in me kind of, I mean, the pacing to me kind of falls a little bit flat. You really don't get um a lot of you don't really don't get a lot out of the actors i feel like you know you have three really great actors in brad pitt morgan freeman gwyneth paltrow Um, you've got arlie ernie in there also but in at least in that very first part of the film all of their performances seem very muted like they're kind of holding back a little bit and then something happens right at that 30 minute mark that makes the movie just like really take off And all of a sudden you're like intrigued. Like the minute you hear Kevin Spacey's voice on the, on the other end of that phone, you're like, all right, now, 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 now something's happening. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I kind of agree with you for most of it. So like for like the, like two thirds of the movie, it's a fantastic movie. I just really have a problem with that early, that early aspect of it. That first act really kind of falls flat for me.
1: I get it, but what I feel like the first act is really we're just learning about Morgan Freeman's character and Brad you know, Brad Pitts coming in, Morgan Freeman's on his way out the door, you know, he's telling his boss like, Hey, he's not ready. And I I, I I'm sorry, I I like that dynamic between the two of them. I like that build up, you know, and then they, they and of course when Peltzer invites him over to dinner. Like right. I I think the whole point is they're, they, they want to build the characters and and you want to root for them because you, you want to like these characters because the horrific things that happen at the end. Right. And the one thing I want to talk about too is Morgan Freeman's character has, has been established that he's seen it all and right. like on top of the case I think what really does it for me is that every time they come into like a um, crime scene it doesn't seem to phase Morgan Freeman at all. Right. But at the very end I don't, spoiler alert, the box. This is like the new, <laughs> this movie is like the new planet of the apes. Like right. everybody knows the ending of the planet of the apes is the same to, you know, the ending of this movie. The ending of this movie is kind of like now, open. I'm not, I'm not going to give it away. But, okay. but at the very end of the climax there, Morgan Freeman's reaction is finally, it it, it, it. it. his reaction is different. Like he's haunted by it. He's shocked by it because someone close to him has been a victim. Right, and that's I think that's where the movie really pays off. Is Morgan Freeman seems to be, you know, not shocked by any of these heinous crimes, but at the very end, he is. Right, and that's where I think that's where you get that payoff. Is because you care about these these two cops, and then you see their reaction to the horrific ending. So that that's where I think it is. Is I think it's just it's just a build up, a build up of these characters. There's there's a more than enough character development. And I feel like the payoff is good enough. I feel like this movie kind of built off what what Silence of the lambs kind of started. I mean, right. it's a different, really different movie, but I feel like Silence of the lambs was kind of like that foundation for this movie. And then you now just after rewatching this movie, I feel like the movie saw kind of like c- copycat this movie in a little bit so i feel like yeah. this is the movie that kind of you know inspired the saw movies these horrific crimes and the stylized killings and the in the clues and the hints and all that stuff uh, by right, the way another right. thing too is um there's a video game that came out years ago called dante's inferno which i believe is based off of anime
0: mm-hmm.
1: um if you're familiar with dante's inferno and the, and the seven circles of hell and the seven deadly sins it, it, it kind of helps knowing the background of the story of uh, the 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 killer's motivation, so yeah, I, I this movie's not perfect, but to me it it, it still holds up and it's so highly recommended.
0: Right, right, and you know, and I agree with with almost everything that you said there. You know, my problem really was more with the pacing than than the overall story. And you know, it's funny that you meant you mentioned a lot of the things that I was going to mention as far as like how this film has sort of influenced a lot of other films. And the interesting the really interesting part that i found about sort of the backstory of this movie and how this movie got made um originally it you know the the writer uh andrew kevin walker he wrote the script in 1991 as sort of this uh amalgam of of things that he had kind of seen while he was living in new york mm-hmm. and um you know the script got passed around in hollywood there was originally another director attached to it. Um, his name was uh, Jeremiah Chechik, and he was well known for Benny and June, for Na- National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and a few other films like in that style. So he, it was kind of a, 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 an interesting choice as far as him coming into a film like this one. And uh, the reason why he kind of stepped away from the project was because he really wanted to tell a different type of story. And so the writer decided to, sorry about that, that's my phone for whatever reason, it just kind (laughs) of decided to take off. (laughs) But anyway, um, yeah, so, so Andrew Kevin Walker had written multiple scripts to sort of like, you know, come to an agreement with the producer. So he steps away from the project. The project kind of like moves around Hollywood and ends up in David Fincher's lap. But the studio actually sent him by accident the original version of the script. They didn't mean to. And he fell in love with that version of the script. He was like, yeah, I'm all in on this. And then the studio was like, well, wait, you know, we actually want to make a different movie. He was like, no, 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 no. This is the only version I want to make. Like, if we're not going to do this, then I don't want to do the movie. And so because of that and because Brad Pitt and uh, Morgan Freeman kind of you know, lobbied for the original script and especially that original ending you know, with the yeah. box and everything, they, they really um, you know, campaigned to have that remain in the film. And had it not been for those factors, we would have gotten a completely different film. You know, all that. All that said, um, I really what I do like about it is that it did set that pace for like movies like Saw and even like aspects of The Dark Knight, where you know yeah. the, the the scene they're actually they have him in the in the police station and he's like you know they're basically saying, well, we don't have his fingerprints and you know his his bank account's only five years old. We don't yeah. really know anything about him. That's very very oh, that's similar funny. to the scene. With the Joker, yes. where they're like, Oh well, custom clothing, the prints, you know, like they they you could tell they took elements from the, from this film and put that in the Dark Knight. Wow. You know, even yeah. the look
1: think you mentioned you know, that.
0: even the look the the overall look of Gotham is I think is deeply inspired by the color palette, the color grading in this film, you know? Yes, and I so think that's yeah, what I, love I will how definitely give props for that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I really like the rainy, the kind of dark, gritty aspect of it. We really hadn't seen any of that before, and so I think that that is really um, this film's contribution, you know, to that, you know, to that particular genre of film. And so for that, you know, I, I give David Fincher absolute props.
1: Okay, I gotta ask you this: uh, prior to this movie, yeah. did you know about the ending, and what'd you think of the ending? Without giving anything away.
0: So I knew nothing about the film. The only thing oh, that I knew about the film was what I saw in the trailers, and for whatever reason, I never saw it in the '90s. And so when I watched it this time, all that came as a complete shock. I knew oh. I knew there was going to be something, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that was. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. that was coming. And so when, uh, you know, when. Uh, It gets close to the end where Morgan Freeman's kind of telling Brad Pitt, throw your gun down, throw your gun away, like Mm. basically like approaching him. I knew at that moment like what really was going down. Up to that point I didn't. It was like a total shock. Like I was like like that that was like one of the greatest twists that I've that I've seen in, in a while for a movie so yeah I was I was pretty that was one of the one of the high points of the film for me I really did enjoy I know
1: it. I just feel I, I'm just astonished I, I just feel like at this point in time it's so hard to avoid that ending it's you know like right. I said kind of like in, in the original plan of the Apes like that ending's like out there now and it's you know I know that that was a big twist at the time and like right you know so I, I i'm just astounded so i'm glad you actually got to enjoy this movie, we not knowing anything so right. that you so you're blessed right there so but yeah even <laughs> even knowing everything i knew like i said this was my second time watching it but seeing it all come together and i did pick up on a few things i didn't pick up the first time watching it so yeah i think this movie does deserve at least two viewings. you know if you saw it once, right. you know maybe if you're not over that ending, maybe you need to take a break. But I feel like if you watch it again, you pick up on little things here and there, you know, in the crime scenes and this, this, and that. So, uh, absolutely, I, I think this again, I, I still enjoyable. I mean, it's not movie I need to rewatch all the time because it's it's it's, it's not only that it's a long sitting, but it is it is it is a shocker and it's really gut wrenching at the end. And it's like it's not something I want to watch on a regular basis, but. You know, it's still a great, great movie. This is the movie that really launched his career. And I just want to sidestep for a moment. Um, mm-hmm. I see that this is one of the only movies that Trent Reznor didn't score the the music for. However, the opening right. credits, by the mm-hmm. way, the opening, the opening title cards are just awesome in this movie. Yes. But There's like a remix of uh, Closer from Nine Inch Nails. And it's so dope sounding. And like, I feel like I'm wondering if that was like, Kind of like what launched uh, Trent Reznor's like movie scoring career, I you know, it,
0: very very possibly it did. So like the story behind that, um, from what I understand, is they had a, a different idea in mind altogether as far as how they were gonna how they were gonna do this credit scene. Originally, they wanted Morgan Freeman's character Somerset to be like sh- uh, shown kind of putting in his retirement papers. Yeah, um, you know buying a house like out in the country, like getting set up to sort of like start the easy part of his life.
1: Mm -hmm. But,
0: you know, the fact that this, film was being produced by new line they had a very limited budget and so they didn't have enough money to film on those sequences so um, there's a uh, there's a director Kyle Cooper that you know he specializes in title sequences so he was approached to kind of come up with something that would be cheap but that would actually give a lot of impact and he came up with the idea of like well why don't we show these like bits and pieces of like the killer's notebook and show him actually cutting his cutting his fingerprints off and doing all of these things without giving you any indication of like what's actually happening and then we'll and then we'll we'll you know sort of do these like little fr- frenetic pieces like having the actual font be like like uh, like handwriting almost you know like yeah. those kind of things it was his idea also to use the closer the the closer remix yeah. Um, and set that tone to that and so yeah I think that those things like you know that confluence of ideas like kind of put together they were even originally going to try to get the director of the closer video to do that title sequence but for whatever reason they, they decided to just let um, Cooper directed and so he kind of gave it that similar feel which matched the the tone, the overall yes. tone of the movie. I mean it matched it perfectly kind of gave you that perfect idea of okay this is what this movie's going to be about. This is the vibe you're going to get off of it. This is the fear level you're going to get off of it. And so um, yeah, I think that that also kind of set this in my opinion. It sort of set a uh, like a mold for other movies that came out after that and even like TV shows that that were sort of based around like serial killers and things like that you know sort of gave gave all of those projects a template to work off of. So in a lot of ways man this movie was kind of a, a kind of a leader, you know what I mean? It kind of mm-hmm. was a benchmark for for crime thrillers and and for like serial killer type of movies.
1: Another thing too is just the I don't know what the exact budget for this movie was. We mentioned the small budget, but this just this is just proof that, you know, it's not always about budget. It's about storytelling and writing. You know, right? Like when you, th- I think of like low budget films are extremely successful. Like for example, Kevin Smith's uh, Clerks, right? Or even the first Saw movie, like those were like really really small budgets. You know, it it's just it's just proof is that you don't need a big budget to make a great movie. And yeah, the like,
0: Invisible Man, for example. Shining oh, yeah,
1: that too. That's yeah. like a shining example. So
0: yeah. Um.
1: And now, how would you compare to David Fincher's other work? You know, like Gone Girl and The Social Network, um, Girl, The Dragon Tattoo. How would you rank, like, this movie compared to his other work? Is it towards the top or is it the best, worst? How would you rank compared to David Fincher's other movies?
0: Well... You know, full disclosure, I'm really not a, I'm not the biggest David Fincher fan, you know, Mm -hmm. like for me, he's very hit or miss, like he'll have great movies like Gone Girl and, you know, uh, Fight Club, for example. I mean, those are movies that I love, but he also did like Alien 3, you know, he's done some, he's done some movies that in my opinion are just not very good. Yeah. Um, This, this for me falls somewhere in the middle, um, only because that first portion of the film i just really didn't like but everything else about it i really thought was was pretty great so i'd say you know for me like like my favorite david fincher film is fight club you know after that it'd probably be gone girl after that it'd probably be this and then maybe panic room and uh and then like uh after you know I, i i don't know his entire resume but those were those are the ones that I remember, you know. So this would this would be somewhere in the middle there.
1: Okay, yeah. I, to me, this one's towards may not. I don't know if I'd rank it at the tip. It's definitely a top three movie. I'd say between this, Fight Club, and uh, man, it's such a toss up, man. Like between Social Network and uh, Gone oh, Girl. Oh, I forgot about
0: Social Network. Yeah, that's another one. That's I great.
1: mean that. Oh, you gotta understand? Like Social Network, the movie itself. I just feel like it, it just. It's an important part of modern history about, you know, the the Napster and Facebook and all that. So it's really, I can't discount that movie at all. At the other hand, like Gone Girl, again, we just talked about Ben Affleck's career. Like Gone Girl is like one of those movies that Ben Affleck at his best. And like, there are some moments, I guess as a guy, there are moments in Gone Girl that like make me petrified of women. Right. Well, like, that's what that but that's what Fincher's good at he's like right there are moments in his movies that like petrify you scare you to death and like shock you and it's just yeah so I, I think this is definitely top three top four movie uh, right for, for, as far as his other work goes and as far as like the 90s go I mean this is I think this is up there I mean it's just I mean I I, I really feel like Silence of the Lambs was really the one that kind of kickstarted that that sure. psychological gory thriller but I think seven was a one like built it on to top the next
0: of level. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now I kind of wanted to, you know, shift gears a little bit and mm-hmm. talk a little bit about the casting, right? Yes. So um, I don't know how much you know about the character of detective Somerset, which was played by Morgan Freeman. Yes but originally um, they were trying to get Al, Al Pacino to take that role, and instead he turned it down in, in light of the movie, uh, you know, in favor of the movie City Hall, which, okay. yeah, which, I mean, that that's also a good movie, you know? Yeah. But uh, but the second choice, I'm not sure if you know who this is, though. Like, I okay. want you to guess.
1: All right. Um, okay, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to throw a name out there. De
0: Niro? No, no. Uh, so, so yeah, you're going to really love this, man. Your favorite actor of all time Denzel? was the second choice. Denzel Washington was the second choice oh. to play uh, Detective Somerset. I wish he never
1: told me that. Yeah,
0: and he actually <laughs> turned it down in, in favor of another movie. Yeah, but uh, you know
1: what? That I don't think that would have worked. Listen, Denzel's great at everything, but here's the thing. At the time... Denzel was like, what, in his mid 40s?
0: Yeah, he would have been. Too would have young for Morgan the
1: Freeman was already pushing 60, like in right. his 50s, pushing 60. So I right. think, yeah, it, the whole Denzel, Denzel wouldn't have been old, would be too young to be retiring. So I think Morgan right. Freeman's the right choice. Well, again, Denzel's right. great at everything, and I can't wait to do our training day look back next year. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, so, don't worry. Danto would have done great, but he was—he yeah. was too young, too young.
0: Yeah, but keep in keep in mind, there were different versions of this script, and so it had been pitched to actors of all different age ranges, right? So Sylvester Stallone was approached, Gene Hackman was approached, um, Robert Duvall, a number of other actors aside from you know from Morgan Freeman before they got to him, and so there's a good chance that you know they would have written the character a little bit differently i still kind of think it might have made it made for a good match i mean brad pitt and denzel washington together in this kind of a thriller especially since we know that denzel can do that type mm-hmm. of work you know oh, like absolutely he was, brief. he was in a lot of other films that were kind of similar you know um so i i personally that's one that i kind of like you know Kick, you know, like lean back and think like, man, what would it have looked like? You know, like, would we have gotten a better or worse for, worse version of this film had the casting been a little bit differently? Also, um, Gwyneth Paltrow wasn't the original, um, Pick the, to the play,
1: lady. right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> she wasn't the original pick. Uh, Christina Christina Applegate was actually originally offered the role, and she turned it down. And then they landed on Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow. After that,
1: oh, I think Christina Applegate would have knocked it out of the park. Oh, yeah.
0: She's great. I think she's yeah, great.
1: yeah. I think. Well, I'm not. I'm not gonna put Gwyneth Paltrow down at all. I mean, she's great, but. Man, it's just that all that Goop stuff. And I, I look at her differently now, ever since I saw those Goop videos.
0: <laughs> right, you know, like that's, you know, that's that's a that's a whole separate issue. I yeah, mean, yeah, I, I still yeah, think yeah. that she's a really good actress. I she really is. like her as Pepper in the in the. Yeah,
1: yeah. In- and I remember the first movie. Yeah. I, again, I'm younger than you, so the first movie I ever saw her in was actually Shallow Hal, which I believe mm-hmm. was after Seven. She was right. great. In Shallow hell! I mean, that was, you know, it's. That movie hasn't aged well, but you know, at the time, that was a hit and that was, it was funny. Um, right. And the fact that she was able to play—I mean, I, I mean, she was playing the same role, but she was—you know—she had to wear the fat suit and everything. But like, right. Um, but she was really good in that. But if, but like I said, that was after this movie. So.
0: Yeah, that was like ninety-seven. Was in, I think. You know, Brad
1: Pitt was in other movies too, but like, like *Thelma and Louise, But like, but really, I don't think his career took off till, till this and uh, *Fight Club*.
0: So. Well, I mean, I think it was starting, like it was on an upward trajectory, right? Like you mentioned Thelma and Louise, but then he also was in True Romance. He was in Legends of the Fall, which was a very big uh, film at the time. You know, he, he was starting to like pick up steam and people were starting to really get to know him as an actor when he landed this role. And so, yeah, I agree with you. This is probably the one that kind of really helped his, you know, really helped his career take off. But he was, he was, he was still relatively well known at the time. More so as like a like a heartthrob, from what I remember. Like, yeah. a lo- I know I remember a lot of like young girls being like, "Oh my God, Brad Pitt!" You know, what I mean? no. he was like the guy. But uh, but yeah, I think this is the one where people start to sort of look at him a little bit differently. Like, man, maybe this guy like really does have like more than just his looks. You know. Yeah. So yeah, no,
1: I'm a, I'm a huge fan of him. Okay, so here's why. Like, I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. Like during the whole Brad Angelina Jolie thing, that that was so overdrawn and so annoying. Again, his personal life really really made me think of him different because it was I was just sick of hearing about the whole right. Jeff Randis and Angelina thing. But then as time went on, you know, I, I really think he's a cool dude because here's the thing: he right now. He's producing a uh, Chris Cornell Soundgarden documentary that's in the works right now. He's producing. Mm -hmm. On top of that, he, right after the passing of Chris Cornell, again, Chris, rest in peace, uh, he took Cornell's kids to uh, Disneyland, like, right after that that happened. So he was there for Cornell's kids, which is really cool. I mean, and on top of that, uh, maybe you didn't know this one. Brad Pitt is a Kaiju fan. And oh wow, one of that's his cool! Favorite movies growing up was War of the Gargantuas, which is a great total <laughs> film. So, nice. in my book, like knowing that he's a kaiju fan, knowing that he's a metalhead and a Soundgarden fan, um, and he's been doing some good movies as of late. And this is, I think, one of his best. Brad Pitt, like in my book, fantastic actor, fantastic dude. I'm a huge fan.
0: Right. Yeah, same here. You know, I've I've always kind of liked him. I've never, uh, I don't think he's been in very many movies that I've disliked. You know, like I, yeah. I've always thought of him as a as a good actor, and you know, he seems to pick really good roles, really powerful roles, and so I have a lot of respect for him. You know, I think that he was a great a great fit for this film, as a, sort of like the younger, mm-hmm. uh, arrogant, you know, like someone who's experienced. But not as experienced as he as he might think, you know. And he really does a good job of sort of like, you know, putting that idea across with with the David Mills character. I yeah, really and
1: my that. my favorite moment in the movie is before that horrific ending. The the scene where they're drive they're they're driving in the desert, and Brad Pitt says that line saying, "You know what? You're insane. You know <laughs> when you're like." Uh, what do you say? He's like, you're masturbating in your own feces. Do you really take a moment and realize, wow, I'm really crazy. Like that is his best moment in the movie. I laughed so hard because he's just, he's just sick of hearing this guy, you know, talk in the back and he just finally just lets lets loose and just insults him and says all these things. And it's just so funny. Whereas again, this is where that cool dynamic comes in. You know, his partner there, Morgan Freeman Mm -hmm. is just asking them like serious questions and ask them, well, why are you doing, doing the things that you do? Blah, blah, blah. But Brad Pitt's approach was just, it was just hilarious. And I (laughs) I think that's my favorite moment in the movies where he just lets loose on them.
0: Right. Right. You know, and and another cool thing about him too is I I think that a lot of people don't know that if it wasn't for him, we would not have gotten the the, the version of seven that we got. Um, There was a, there was this idea that uh, the head in the box idea, the head in the box scene, was gonna to be too much for audiences. And yeah. so um, the studio kind of demanded that like, okay, we can do this version of the movie, but you know we're cutting that scene out of there, we're gonna end it a different way. And they were, yeah. they were completely adamant. And Brad Pitt basically like, refused to do the rest of the film unless wow. that was in there. Because he believed in that scene so much and he believed in Fincher so much. Like, hey, yeah. like we we we're trying to to tell this story, this type of story that really hasn't been done before. And that is the whole like that's the linchpin of the story. You know yes. what I mean? So he really stepped up for Fincher and and took a stand and you know, and that, and and mind you, this is pretty early in his career for him to do that. And so, without him, we really wouldn't have gotten that that piece, which to me makes the whole movie. Exactly.
1: You know I mean? Yeah. All right. So, uh, any any. So, what would you uh, wrapping this up here? What would you your closing closing thoughts overall, as far as recommendation? How would you rate it?
0: So, I would probably on a scale of one to five, I would give this maybe a three and a half to four. You know, if the if the first act was a little more compelling, this would be an all time favorite for me. But because the pacing was a little uneven for me, I really didn't like it as much as I expected it as much as I expected to. Mm -hmm. That said, the remainder of the film is absolutely dynamite. I loved the performances. I loved uh, Kevin Spacey in this thing. I loved the overall look the environment yeah. um, you know all the, all all of those little things the, those little small touches like the the sound like the foley and the the music the scoring that went with this movie yeah. you know it all kind of kind of blended together in this perfect way and so you know for for that i would recommend it so, you know, it's on, you know, Amazon, it's on other, you know, streaming platforms as a rental. Unfortunately, you can't really find this for free anywhere, as far as yeah. I know. But it, it's worth a rental for anybody who hasn't seen it. And anybody who has, I mean, I, it's still, it's, it's absolutely worth a rewatch in the context of, of films, you know, looking at modern films, what this movie has, has meant to those movies.
1: Absolutely. I'm gonna be a little bit more generous. I'm, I'm going out of 10 here. I'm gonna say 8.5 out of 10. It still feels just as good as the first time I watched it. Um, again, it's a slow burn. If you don't mind the slow burn, the payoff is fantastic. Um, if you don't know the ending of this movie, just find out for yourself. because I'm not gonna ruin it for nobody. I feel like this is a movie that you have to see. If you've seen it already, I'd say it's worth a rewatch again. Not something I'm going to spend... And it's not going to be a movie I'm going to watch every year because it's it's, it's really uh, a heinous and like gut-wrenching movie. So for me, it's a solid 8.5 because, you know what, at the end of the day, this is an unforgettable
0: movie. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty
1: great. So uh, just real quick, just want to thank everybody for coming into our last stream. We had a field day with uh, our friend uh, Joseph Spiller and this coming stream we're gonna have our friend of newyorkstatemusic.com Pete Mason he also runs a uh, a website called Fan Art where he does a lot of pictures of um a fish, he's a huge fish man, but he's a diehard um, movie buff and a comic buff, And so we're looking forward. Also, tomorrow is the Emmys, so we get to see who's right. Yes. Oh, no, that's tonight. It's tonight. <laughs> it's
0: Excuse tonight. Yeah. It's I feel tonight. like today's
1: Saturday, but yeah, at the time of this recording, the <laughs> Emmys will be tonight, so we are looking forward to see what our results are going to be, so we will lightly touch on that on our stream, and we'll definitely do the re- results next weekend, see who's right as well. We're going to do another look back next weekend. King of New York turns 30 next week amazing movie yes we cannot wait to go back into this movie um so looking forward to it
0: yeah christopher walken Lawrence fishburne i mean it's it's an absolute legitimate classic anybody who hasn't watched that yet needs to get on that immediately
1: yes so uh we appreciate everybody's support so you know before we go we ask you to pretty please like comment Ring that bell, subscribe, and spread that shit like Silfo. So the USA, from Louisville to Syracuse, so all of our friends and fans around the world at Nerd Cage Live. Enjoy life, stay safe, and good night. Sayonara.
0: Ooh, trying to get out of the nerd cage, are ya?
1: Well, before you go,
0: hit that subscribe button. And if you're really intrigued, ring that bell! Thank you for dropping by. Until next time, tell everyone you know about Nerd Cage Live! <laughs> <laughs>